Hey, it's Perry Garris again with the RPI Podcast, Episode 4. Uh, today, we will be talking with Jamie Jackson, RPI Class of 2016, and the head men's golf coach at RPI, along with junior captains Ryan Quinn and Austin Rupp. Then we'll have Sergio Marino, the head strength and conditioning coach, along with assistant Justin Markley, uh, with some real good stuff on uh, their department. That's all coming up here on Episode 4 of the RPI Athletics Podcast. For more than 35 years, CDPHP has been keeping you in the game by providing top-notch healthcare coverage, superior customer service, and the tools you need to live your healthiest life. They're also a proud sponsor of your RPI engineers. CDPHP, a plan for life. All right, joining me on the phone is third-year head coach of the RPI uh, golf team, Jamie Jackson, class of 2016, along with the junior captains, Ryan Quinn, a chemical engineering major from Northampton, New Hampshire, and Austin Ruff is an industrial and management engineering major from Suffield, Connecticut. Guys, three of you on here. This is the most we've ever had at once. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Coach, you still with us? It's always a pleasure to be with you, Perry. Jamie. <laughs> Don't sound so sarcastic. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's get right. Let's get right to it. Uh, how is your How is your uh, Wednesday been? We're recording this uh, on Wednesday for a Thursday podcast. Uh, I heard uh, who's been on the course. Austin's been on the course already today. Yeah, it's it's about fifty five, fifty degrees here in Connecticut and sunny. So got to take advantage of every every good day. We're gonna get to it later, but I want, I'm gonna ask you guys about how social distancing and golf kind of works hand-in-hand. Ryan, uh, what have you been up to this afternoon or morning? Uh, I got a little, uh, like, AstroTurf green in my yard. So, you know, I've just been working on my short game pretty much every day. So, slowly losing my mind, not being able to get onto the actual golf course, but trying to stay busy as best I can. And, uh, Jamie, our co- our uh, courses around here, I know you're a member somewhere out there. Are you able to get on the course at all? I'm not these days with the new executive order in New York. Uh, golf courses have pretty much shut the gates. But uh, I got a putting mat in my apartment and, you know, trying to figure out what square is and hoping that they reverse the executive order as soon as possible. <laughs> so Austin's getting the, uh, the uh, having the only good time here so far, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, we're all jealous. We're all jealous of Austin. Lucky guy. I think the, the thing about golf is, especially when it's nice out, is it's something that you it's it's it's, a, it's kind of a lifestyle more than it is a sport you play, right? Like you, when you when you play golf, you want to get there out there either every other day or every day to be doing something involved with your game. And when you're not able to do that, you feel like you're either uh, either missing out or or losing a step. Is that kind of how you feel even over the winters? I mean. Brian, yeah, yeah, I'll take this one. Um, yeah, you know when you when you like because we were just in season, you know, before the whole uh, COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. But you know, we're all trying to get out there every day. You know, practice as much as we can, and you know, you just kind of get into a groove. You know, you work on the stuff you need to work on, and you know that why we're playing college golf because we love to work. So it's it's definitely uh, it's frustrating not being able to you know get better every day and 
proceed on our golf game, but you know, you just got to do whatever you can. So, but yeah, definitely it's, it's definitely frustrating, you know, not being able to work every day, but you know, you, you got to do what you can. Or, uh, Ryan. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was that um, was me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll go. Um, yeah, just to kind. Of, I mean, you know, we always have the winter. That's kind of our designated off season. So, to have the spring season kind of wiped away. I mean, we were itching, itching to get outside, and that the spring break. I mean, that was kind of just like a little tease, normally, of what's supposed to come. So. I've been fortunate enough to at least get outside on the nice days. We've had a few of them here in Connecticut. Golf is still still being allowed, so. But um, I I know that Ryan and the rest of the guys on the team, coach, they're they're probably still itching to get out on the course. And your class, uh, your class of juniors, uh, are a pretty big part of the team right now, uh, and you've kind of helped carry the group into this next phase and. You know, Jamie's in his third year. Um, Jamie, how has this group uh, evolved or, or matured throughout their three years? And now, you know, hopefully we have a, a fall and a spring next year to, to for these guys to kind of, you know, push all the way through to, for the seniors. Yeah, it's been awesome to see these guys mature. I mean, they've been what a big part of what has taken our program from – you know, not the best of places to being one of the best programs in the country. Um, you know, when I took over the program in 2017, we had slipped down in the rankings to around 100th in the country, and right now we're sitting around 15th. Um, but, you know, rankings aside, the guys, Ryan, Austin, Griff, Will, Henry, they're just – it's been awesome to see them transform from 18-year-old guys, you know, young men into 20, 20, you know, 21-year-old, uh, a little older men. They, they've all made improvements in how they stay composed on the golf course. I know I talk about that with Ryan a lot. We actually had a few moments this year where, you know, we made decisions on the golf course and Ryan kind of knew, like, his freshman or sophomore year, he wouldn't have made the, you know, the smarter decisions that we decided to make on the golf course. Um, and, you know, talking about Ryan and Austin specifically, I, I put them in a tough, you know, a tough spot making them captains their sophomore year. But, you know, the, their improvements this year in regard to leading the team, managing, you know, the team culture and chemistry has been awesome. Uh, you know, we have a roster of, we had a roster of 10 guys this year and I genuinely felt like every player really liked each other and liked hanging out, playing golf. Um, so yeah, it's been great. I only, I only got to see you guys, I guess maybe once or twice a year, whether it's headshot day or, or action and video shot day. Uh, but those are always fun to come out. You guys are always great, and so I, I do appreciate that. And uh, you, you have a good time with it. I think that's the most important thing, especially it is you know, D3 week, and we will talk about you guys especially. You're both engineers, engineering majors, and, uh, you know, how, how you balance that. And uh, uh, going to school now, 
during the regular year as well. But, uh, you know, how you balance being an engineer and also uh, playing golf, and is, is it kind of a, a stress reliever for you guys when you're able to get on the course? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all know how hard RPI RPI can get academic-wise alone, and then you you factor in you got to, in order to, you know, compete and play at the level that we want to play at, you got to dedicate a lot of time to, um, you know, your golf game or whatever sport you might play. So uh, it's definitely, you know, something that kind of forces us to accept the grind and we just kind of take that day by day. And um, it's kind of, it's actually a very good, very good worker of your on your work ethic and it, it helps you later in life for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with Rupp though. You know, it's it's a day to day thing, you know, every day it's a little bit different. You know, you have a couple different assignments and, you know, your golf game, you know, changes day to day. So, you know, even at a week to week basis, you know, some weeks you really have it in the classroom and some weeks you really have it on the golf course and it's just a constant uh, battle to try to perfect both of those at once. So I, I definitely agree with uh, Austin saying, you know, RPI is it's very difficult school, and uh, you know that's why we're here um, in the first place. But it's uh, yeah, definitely it it can be taxing at times. You know, a lot of hours, but um, it's good, and I think that we all that's why we're all here. You know, we all like that challenge in and out of the classroom, and that's. That's the ultimate goal, you know, try to perfect both. Uh, Jamie, you, you played here. I'm sure that's a, a big part of why these guys, you know, look up to you and, and, and come to you with their their questions and, and uh, concerns. But uh, you were an, you're an engineer now, and you're able to, you know, coach the team as well. You know, how has it, how has it been for you a few years out of RPI now? Uh, it's been awesome. You know, I've been really lucky where I – did manage to get a job at a great company, uh, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals out of school. They've been really good to me. Um, but really, you know, you mentioned I I worked that job and I coach, and I really credit my RPI golf experience to being able to do that. Uh, Austin and Ryan were just mentioning, you know, yeah, it is a grind to balance both school and golf. Um, you know, studying engineering by itself at times can feel like a full-time job. Um, and then you tack on trying to be the best golfer you can be. You know, it can become a lot at times, but, you know, learning how to effectively manage your time and manage those priorities, I think it put me in a place where I could do what I do now. And, you know, I think that's what sets our players up you know, I can speak to my teammates. We're all, you know, working really solid jobs now. And I think it's because we learned when we were playing on the team how to effectively manage our schedules and be disciplined with how we spend our time. And uh, I want to ask you about technology and how has that helped you, especially as someone who can't necessarily be there for every training session or or match. Uh, I mean, obviously, you try to get to, to the, the matches and, and things like that, but uh, you can't be there all the time. You're you able to share video, uh, even even now or or when you were still uh, in season, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, technology helps for sure. I mean, even just as basic as having smartphones, I, I can't really imagine trying to, you know, do what I do with the guys without smartphones. But, you know, a big part of RPI golf, my guys, they are incredibly mature. And part of that comes with playing golf their entire lives since they were young kids. Um, playing golf brings a level of maturity. So I, in a way, can really count on them to, you know, like Austin and Ryan were just saying, they love the grind of trying to become better golfers. So, you know, I more just try to give them the resources they need to be able to do that. Um, so technology helps, but also just the fact these guys are very mature also helps. So you guys, I'd also, I'd also like ahead. to add to that that uh, <clears throat> coach is pretty much always there, you know, when we're working. He somehow he finds his way with his work schedule. I, I don't know how, but I mean, I can't think of I can't think of a tournament that he hasn't been there. He's been to every tournament I've been there, and um, you know, practices. I'd say he's there when I'm there, ninety five percent of the time. So he he's working just as hard as we are at the same time, which kind of gives us a little more motivation to get after it and keep working at it. So he's a good role model for everybody as well. Very cool. Uh, you guys, um, getting back to this season, I, I know it was cut short, but you had some good tournaments. Uh, the uh, Saratoga National, I'm sure, was a fun one. I've never played there, but I'd love to. Uh, but any any other courses that you guys, you know, you're three years in now, that are your favorites to play at to, that are on your schedule consistently or ones that you maybe have gone to one time? Well, you hit the head. You hit the head right on Saratoga. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely Saratoga. one of my favorite courses. It's an unbelievable golf course. I actually – yeah. I was fortunate enough to win my freshman year. Yeah. Uh, the fall event there. Um, I think I made like six birdies in my first round. It was just crazy. But so it was just one of the biased. Yeah, I'm a little biased, but Ryan can Ryan and Coach. No, I, I agree. You know, there's there's some golf courses where, you know, you have eighteen holes where you gotta grind and there's some golf courses where I I'm trying to trying to think through my head right now, you know, eighteen holes there, I wanna say maybe like twelve or thirteen of the holes are birdie holes. So I mean it's just a fun it's a really, really fun golf course. I mean, it, obviously, it's it's definitely challenging. Um, Skidmore does a great job hosting that tournament, setting it up great. Um, but it's it's really it's two days of just straight fun, fun golf, and it's uh, it's it's an awesome time. It's definitely one we always mark on the calendars for sure. That one and probably leagues as well. You know, I, I take. I mean, obviously, I take them all very seriously, but. That one definitely holds a little extra uh, specialness to me. Yeah. You guys, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Turning Stone also is just a really. They have a lot of nice courses up there. Um, I think this tournament we played in South Carolina though at the Dutta Island Golf Course, I think is one of my new favorite courses also. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's a awesome setup it's right on this island like right on the water and uh it kind of just like it does, you're just happy to be there and it kind of 
it helps your game. You don't worry as much. You're kind of just happy playing golf, which is pretty sweet if you think about it in the moment. Yeah, I remember last year. Last year was the first year um, we played in the tournament, and I was injured at the time, so I actually didn't get to play there. So this year, I was really looking forward to get to Detroit, and I just remember playing in that practice round, saying like, because I heard, you know, I obviously heard positive things from all the guys that played last year, like, oh, like Quinn, you're gonna love this course; it's an awesome place. And I was like, okay, like we'll see. And then, you know, when I got there, immediately, I was like, wow, like, they weren't lying. This place is awesome, and I'm looking forward to that tournament next year already. Awesome. You guys – Perry, this is Jamie. I'll I'll throw one plug in for Austin. Uh, You know, we were lucky enough. We got to play Dota before, you know, everything before COVID-19 ended up happening. But – Austin shot a 66 his last round, which uh, I can confirm it's the lowest round in program history. So, all right, he was, boy, he was absolutely balling that day. That's great, Austin. Do you, thank you, thank you. There you go, Austin. Uh, do you guys prefer, and maybe you don't even notice, do you prefer tournaments with uh, only a few teams, whether it be like the leagues or some of these uh, smaller ones, or do you do you notice when there's 17? 20, 25 teams playing in a tournament. Is, is it a different feel? Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say, you know, there's a different feel to it because you know in leagues, you know, when we're staying within the Liberty League, you know, we know all the kids, we know all the players, and we kind of have a, a better idea what to expect, you know, scores wise. But um, these big tournaments, it, it, it kind of gives our program a better chance to you know show our, show what we can really do compared to some of the better teams in the in the nation. So, I mean, I always think, you know, when we go down south, you know, we did a couple times this year, you know, it's it's a it's a better chance to showcase, you know, what RPI can really do in comparative to the best teams in the nation. You guys have played in some uh, against some division 1 competition in your careers too. What what is that like? Rob, you want to take that one? Yeah. Um, no, it's really cool. I mean, it kind of gives you a chip on your shoulder before you even even get there, you know. You're, I think we played with teams like Holy Cross. Um, I'm blanking on a few others. Ryan, you, uh, you remember? Harvard, Harvard, Navy, Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bryant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bryant. Uh, Fordham. Um, Iona. Iona. Yeah, that. Yeah, so, so there was a, a really whole fun bunch tournament. Of, whole yeah. bunch of, you know, solid, solid teams there in the Division One. And uh, we we kind of get to show them what we got, so it's it, it kind of gives you a little extra motivation. It's a course I also have played growing up in hey, Connecticut, right. so um, you know I had a little, I had some good mojo there, so I used that to my advantage. I agree too, because I remember you know playing like uh, junior tournaments growing up. You know, every once in a while I'd get out to a, a big like AJGA or like, a big like Challenge Cup where. You have like a, a much uh, bigger field with much more depth, and you know you get to play with a lot of these kids. Where, you know, like I don't know, fifty, seventy-five percent of the field is going some pretty good D1 schools, and you get to play with these really good kids, and it almost gets to it almost lets you elevate your golf game, getting to play with them. So, I, I think it's a great experience for all the RPI kids to get to play in that, and um, it does a lot of positives 
you know, it can have it can have two effects. You know, you can right. you can take it two ways. You know, you could say, oh my God, these kids are so much better than us, or you can you can take it in a way where like, hey, like we can stick with these kids, and I think that's what you really. I think that's the mental attitude you need to have when you're playing with competition that is much higher. Coach, uh, with the the Ryan uh, the Ryan Lee Memorial, or would you, you guys used to go down to Kentucky? Are, are these you know are these tournaments something that you liked when you played to play against these tougher competition, or is it something that you're challenging these younger guys to do as a new challenge? I mean, when I was on the team, I didn't you know have the opportunity to play in the in the Ryan Lee, which is a D1 tournament, but mm-hmm. I would have loved I would have loved to. Uh, you know, when I was a junior golfer aspiring to play college golf, I really wanted to play Division One, and uh, things worked out the way they did. And you know, obviously in the long run for the better. I have an engineering degree now, and I coach. You know, I'm the head coach of the team, so I'm so happy I ended up at RPI. But uh, yeah, I love to see, you know, not only the Ryan Lee, but our tournament schedule now is uh, moon moons better than when I was on the team. You know, we're getting multiple opportunities to play against nationally ranked teams, um, which is awesome because we're we're starting to show that our program can compete with really anyone in the country. And it's because my guys have that that competitive attitude that Ryan was talking about where, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the field, we really think that we can compete with anyone. That's great. And uh, speaking with Jamie Jackson, head coach of the RPI uh, golf team, class of 2016, and his two junior captains, they're currently juniors, Ryan Quinn and Austin Rupp. Uh, guys, just a, a couple more for you before I let you go. Well, looking ahead to to next year, and you know, the plan is to be out there on the course. Of course, uh, you know, coach, who do you have? You know, what kind of recruit, recruiting class do you have coming in? And uh, how do you look to, to the senior or to you guys who will be seniors? How do you look to integrate those guys as, as you have done for the, the classes that have come behind you? Recruiting class is looking good. Waiting on some confirmations still. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're a few weeks away from May first. Um, but our team's going to be rock solid next year. You know, I don't see us – I don't see our momentum slowing one bit, I think. You know, I fully plan and expect us to to win golf tournaments next year, and I'm pretty confident we'll make it to the, the national championship, the big dance, and, and definitely turn some heads like we've been doing the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You know, I I don't see how we could um I don't see how we wouldn't progress, you know, everyone on the team right now. I can't speak for the freshmen that are coming in, but I'm sure they they are the same way, but everyone on the team now, you know, we we all love it. We love the grind like we mentioned before and you know, we're all dedicated to, you know, getting better and progressing as a team and individually as well. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a great group, a great group of guys, um, you know, talent and just chemistry-wise within us. And uh, 
yeah, I think the the freshmen will integrate themselves very smoothly into this our culture as a team, and uh, we're gonna pick up right where we left off. And uh, just just one more. The question is about the the Liberty League. It seems like it's, you guys are always uh, up there, uh, you know, but and you're not able to to make that final push, whether it's a, a day one or a day two. That kind of falters. Not to, I'm not we're not ending on a sour note. I hope, but you know, what do you guys see from the Liberty League tournament? And uh, wow, what makes, it, what makes it so challenging? <laughs> what makes it so challenging? Coach, you want um, to take this one first? Or? Yeah, coach. Let coach go. Yeah, first. sure. Uh, so, I mean, I can speak from when I was a player as well as being a coach. It's kind of like what Ryan was talking about earlier, where we know exactly who the field is, exactly who the players are we're playing against. So, in a way, it's like we have we have more expectations than we would normally have, say, you know, we went down to Greensboro, North Carolina for the first time last fall didn't really know what to expect and you know we played well had a good finish and it really bolstered our ranking whereas the liberty league we know exactly who we're playing what we're up against and we also know that the way that division three golf works that our liberty league the winner gets an automatic qualifier to the national championship so that's you know, that's definite big-time motivation to try and win that golf tournament. Um, and, you know, we've come really close all seven years I've been involved in the program, and I know that the next time we get a shot at it, we're just going to we're gonna have a better mental approach. It's going to be more just us trusting our training, trusting our game, trusting our game plan, and letting the game flow out of us. And at the end of the day, I think we're the best team in the Liberty League, so everything else should take care of itself. Yeah, 100% agree, Coach, 100%. Um, I really thought, you know, you can – in golf, it's kind of a streaky game, and, you know, this end of fall, you know, into our off-season, transitioning into our – our very short, unfortunate spring season. But, you know, I just had a different sort of confidence about us. And I, I knew that, you know, I I knew that we were just going to be so successful this year. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that the events that turned out that did, but we got to, you know, take the punches as they roll with us. So, I mean, I, like Rupp said earlier, I think we're going to pick up right where we left off next year and just keep building on that momentum. And if we keep doing that, you know, just growing, getting better tournament to tournament, I think by the end of next year, I, I don't see uh, – I, I also agree that, you know, we will be the best team in the Liberty League and just play our game and get the job done when it matters the most. Anything to add, Austin? Yeah, I just think it – it just, you know, gives more fuel to the fire. It just grows the hunger the more we have to wait for it. Um, but uh, it'll just keep us focused, uh, you know, keep, you know, give us extra motivation this this summer going back into the fall. And, uh, yeah, just trying to tee it up again. Uh, and this year in RPI, we saw a, a couple of teams, uh, soccer and, uh, and basketball, make the tournament, the NCAA tournament, without winning their league. Is there – 
is there any hope of a second Liberty League team getting in? Would your ranking of, you know, top 15 where you guys finished, I think, 16 in the coaches' poll, would that would that have gotten you in, Jamie? Or is it still a, a one-and-done one kind of situation or a championship or boss kind of thing? Yeah, and so that was another unfortunate thing about, you know, the season ending this year is there there was a really good chance that regardless of who won the Liberty League this year, I mean, if, say, the rankings carried through sure. throughout the entire spring season, that both us and NYU would go to the NCAA tournament. The, okay. There's 32 AQs into the NCAA tournament, and then there's about eight or nine schools that get at-large bids. Okay. Um and with our ranking, yeah, I mean, I'm very confident that we, you know, if we hadn't won the Liberty mm-hmm. League tournament, we would have had a great shot at getting that large bid. But, you know, we can control what we can control, and we're just getting ready for next year now. Awesome. All right, guys, I won't take any more time. Uh, Austin, Ryan, and Coach uh, Jamie Jackson, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out of your day. Yeah. Thanks, Perry. Thanks for having us on. No problem, yeah. Thanks for Thanks for having us, Perry. Joining me on the phone are a fourth-year head strength and conditioning coach, Sergio Marino, and six-year assistant, Justin Markley, uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the RP Athletic Podcast here on B3 Week. Hey, you're very welcome. Us. Thanks for having us. Sergio, I heard you there, too. Uh, Sergio went to Southern Connecticut State, and then he got his master's from Cal U, uh, Pennsylvania. He's worked at Quinnipiac and Canisius, and then he came over to RPI uh, graciously. Uh, uh, and also, uh, Justin Markley, who I mentioned, in his sixth year, he went to Bridgewater State and then got his master's from uh, Michigan State with stops at Michigan State and South Carolina. Uh, so plenty of Division One experience, which is which is big in RPI, which has two Division One sports and and, uh, and would like to, you know, present itself, you know, as an option for, especially the D3 level for kids who, you know, maybe could have gone D1, uh, have the facilities for like a Division One program, but the education that RPI brings will draw those kids to RPI. So, uh, with that being said, you guys work with them directly, uh, all of our student-athletes. And uh, we'll start off with Sergio and then Justin. Uh, what's it been like working with RPI students for the last few years, and what have you seen from them that's maybe different from other places? Yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been great working with the student-athletes that we have. Uh, I think coming over, you know, with this being my first experience working with Division Three athletes, uh, you know, obviously there were a lot of questions and you know, knowing the whole voluntary aspect uh, when they're out of their season um, was definitely something that I had in mind. But, man, we have some of the most committed student-athletes uh, that I've ever worked with uh, across all levels. Uh, you know, during my time being a uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, at Division One places, I've also done private training before that, uh, working with various levels of athletes from high school to collegiate to professional. And uh, hands down, I mean, the level of commitment that we get from the majority of our student athletes is uh, really impressive, you know, knowing that it's them making the choice. And I think that that's, that's another really refreshing aspect of Division Three, is that, you know, they're not doing it because 
there's no other option. They're doing it because they want to do it uh, and they invest in it. And I think along with that, you just see uh, a different level of investment. You know, the kids really want to get an understanding of, of why it is uh, that we're doing what we do. And they ask questions and they really invest themselves in the whole process, which I really enjoy because I think if you're if you're in it and you're not really asking questions, I mean, it's great that they, they do it, but ultimately we really want the athletes to take ownership of the program, and I think learning about why you're doing what you're doing is a big step in that. Justin, you've been here for uh, six years at RPI, and you've, so you've seen a few, a few more classes go through. Have you seen a similar, uh, similar from our group? Yeah, I'm going to piggyback um, on what Serge said there because, uh, again, just like Serge, I was coming in with, as far as college goes, just D1 experience, you know, having also worked in the private side as well. I it goes with the younger athletes. But, you know, I had that question, too, about what's it going to be like working with a Division three mindset, and is that going to be any different than what I experienced with Division one athletes? And uh, just like Serge said, I experienced the same thing where, I was pleasantly surprised at the high level of commitment with all of the Division Three athletes. And, you know, um, I think that in six years of observing them, it just comes down to exactly what Serge was saying was uh, they, have, they have a choice there, you know. Um, and because of that, we get to see that when they come in the weight room, it's almost like it's a relief or a break in their day for them, and they're excited to get in there and lift and do something new. You know, a lot of them have come into – college with no strength and conditioning background so when they're coming in as freshmen they're learning all this stuff you know for the first time and because of that they have a lot of advances to make and so you know they see themselves growing and changing and they get excited about it and it's been just an absolute pleasure to work with on top of that with um around athletics overall both the d1 and d3 um it's been great working at rpi because uh of the level of intellectuals that rpi attracts so obviously these kids, you know, are, are really bright, smart kids that um, grasp concepts really well. So one of the funnest parts for us, and me and Serge talk about this all the time, is that we get to read about or learn about new kind of cutting-edge ways to go about, you know, doing things in the weight room. And um, we get to bring it to these kids because they can grasp almost any concept that we bring to them. You know, really on the first shot, I'll explain something, you know what I mean? And they'll pay attention, mm-hmm. they'll listen, and then they'll ask questions and they'll respond and they'll keep asking questions about it as we train it until they get it right. So it just, again, their, their effort uh, that they bring, but also their intellectual ability to grasp co- uh, complicated things, you know, and then, and then want to work on them. It's been just fantastic. Well, that, that is great. And uh, you too, along with Trevor and Kevin, uh, I guess break out some of the responsibilities about planning workouts for 23 sports, which is not easy. And I see you guys, uh, you know, whether it's the weekend or whatever, always in trying to get stuff done and trying to make, you know, make, make these workout plans maybe specified to, you know, distance running is much different than an offensive lineman. Like it's, it's not kind of cookie cutter. This can work for another athlete. Can you kind of explain briefly Sergio and then, uh, and then Justin, how you guys go about, uh, you know, different body types and different, you know, different modes of, of athletic activity? Yeah, so when athletes come in for the first time as freshmen, we treat them like a blank slate, regardless of really any prior, uh, previous experience that they've had. We act like it's day one for them, and we put everybody on an introductory program uh, that's based off of this method called the 1 by 20 
um, by Dr. Michael Yesis. And in that, we're choosing very basic compound movements, meaning uh, things that involve multiple joints. And so squatting, uh, learning how to hip hinge, uh, learning how to press, whether that's through a bench press or a push-up, uh, very basic exercises. And we start them off on that routine because we look at training like any other sports skill. Uh, if you want to get good at scoring goals, you have to take shots on goal. Uh, if we want kids to get good at squatting, we need them to squat. If we did a traditional once-a-week squatting-type program, you know, it would take us a very long time to make improvements of it. So with something like the 1x20, we're able to introduce them to it anywhere from two to four times a week, and they get significantly better at it much faster. And once they've started on that, then is where we kind of start to allow that, you know, display of previous experience to play into kind of progressing through our program. Uh, we have different layers and kind of different levels that we progress athletes through. And once they've done a few weeks of that 1x20 program, then we start moving them through it. And some athletes may progress at a faster pace than others, uh, but ultimately we do want them to move through the different stages of athletic development, where we're really focusing on learning the movement pattern, learning how to perform it correctly. Then we start working on strengthening it, and depending on the sport that they play, determines the level of strength that we're looking at. And then once they have that strength level, then we move into things like speed, power work uh, that's more advanced and requires uh, more impact and a, and a bigger training age. And then depending on the sport, like, you know, I just talked about the different strength levels. Uh, I don't need, you know, a field hockey player to be as strong as a football player. I don't need a basketball player to be as strong as a soccer player. There's all different levels of strength, and there's different uh, priorities to the different sports qualities, the change of direction, power, explosiveness. And I think that's really kind of where we start to differ based on the sports programs. I think the other thing that we would do is, depending on the sport, um, injuries. You know, there's common injuries that occur in things, hockey, common shoulder injuries, uh, you know, common hip, groin. So that's going to require kind of different prehab, rehab exercises that we would put in a program uh, compared to a, you know, for example, like a football, a contact sport uh, where you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see a variety of things, but you might see more wrists, uh, ankles, knee issues from there, especially like upfront alignments. Um, who are getting a lot of contact. So really those are kind of the different places where you'll see differences among the programs. Justin, uh, that was pretty thorough. So I'm going to let you answer this question about, uh, you know, working with not only the, the specific coaches for the different teams, but also how closely you guys work with the, the training staff, the athletic trainers uh, that RPI has uh, on staff. I'm sorry, Perry. Can you say that again? Sorry, uh, you're working, you work specifically, you work with the coaches, whether it be, you know, John Lynch in cross country or, the, yep. you know, John Green basketball, uh, to you explaining how, you know, how this workout is going to help them for their sport, you know, especially in season when time is, you know, limited to a certain extent, uh, what they're able to do and also how well, how you guys work with the, the training staff as well, the athletic trainers. Oh, yeah, no, that's perfect, actually, because that's right where I was going to go um, based off okay, of good. Sergio's response from the last question. To complement Serge there, um, for certain, a piece of when we're preparing a program for a team, we have to get together with a sport coach. And then that conversation is always, what do you need? And then they tell us what they need out of their athletes. And then basically we have to then say, okay, I understand you need all that, but here's what I can actually give you. <laughs> and, then, and then from there, um, we go and talk to the athletic trainers for that team. And then we say, okay, what are the common injury sites? 
And then also, are we seeing anything specifically here in our team in the last couple of years, like a rash or something? So from the coach, we kind of get what we get an idea of what are the performance needs for the athlete. And then when we talk to the athletic trainers, we understand the injury prevention side of it. And then once we get that information, that's where we can kind of dictate the pool of exercises we're going to have to pull from. Because exactly like you were saying, my distance runners don't need to be back squatting, you know what I mean, like I have some of my field sport athletes doing. Um, and then uh, so from the athletic training information, that's when I get all of, like, the prehabilitation exercises that I need to get done. You know, so there might be a whole lot of, like, ankle or knee things going on with my um, – uh, distance runners that I have to prehab against that might not necessarily affect my hockey players. So again, and then once we get this information coming in, the performance end and that pool of exercises that might be pulling from there, the injury prevention end, the pool of exercises that I might be pulling on there, that's when I'll like uh, work with exactly what Sergio said and we'll start putting together a multi-layered model and progressing things from there. Uh, I mean, that's, that is, you guys covered that pretty well. Um, on the te- I know Sergio mentioned the technology side of things. I know Oh, men's hockey has uh, they wear uh, vests that have their heart heart rate monitors. I know women's soccer has started doing a similar thing, what have you to do with uh, with GPS tracking and and movement stuff, which is all well and good. But uh, you know, how do you guys how do they go about? I guess using that stuff and and how does that help you? Does any of that kind of technological stuff help you guys with your job? Oh, Serge, you want yeah, to start I with this one? Think- yeah, I mean, the, obviously the technology thing I think is an area for strength and conditioning and just sports performance in general that's really rapidly evolving. You have, I mean, when we go to our national conference every year, we see tons of vendors with some sort of new technology uh, where they can track athletes and give data points, and it's great technology, and I think ultimately the biggest thing is, you know, when a coach wants to adopt something like this or we want to adopt something, it ultimately it comes back to what questions do we want this tool to answer for us uh if you know i think in this case of sport coaches the biggest thing they want to know is how hard are people working and then are they recovering from this level of work so i think the the tools that we're having uh introduced now are great and it helps us in the weight room because by having these objective measures we have actual like data that we can look at and say okay, player A did this much in practice, and that's 25% more than they normally do. So if they're coming into the weight room for a session right after that, we know that, okay, if we do what we typically do with this athlete, we're probably going to put more stress on him or her, and it's going to take make their recovery process take longer. So the data lets us adjust their program and decrease volume, so basically take away sets, have them go lighter, um, do a little bit less than they're supposed to so that we can still get the work in that's required, but we make sure that it's the right amount for the athletes. And that's the biggest thing that we're trying to do with the data that we use in the, in the weight room. Uh, we have velocity trackers called push bands, and basically it tells us how fast the bar is moving during certain exercises. Now, the same way that you have uh, percentage charts that say, okay, 80% of your one rep max, the way you can lift for one time, you should be able to do this for eight. Well, there's also research that shows that percentage moves at this specific speed. So if I have 80% on somebody's sheet and they come in and it moves a tenth of a meter per second slower, I know that that's not their 80% today. It's actually heavier, and then I can make the adjustment. Uh, So the technology that we have now is just great because it's actually giving us 
uh, concrete numbers that we can work off and make more adjustments. You know, obviously, subjectively, it's easy for us to look at an athlete and say, wow, this person's moving a lot slower. That looks like more of a struggle this week. Uh, but it's just good to have that to back up your coach's intuition. That's very cool. Justin, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, just that um, uh, specifically we have the, the, the polar hot mic monitors for the men's hockey team. We've had them now for about three, four years. And, um, again, it's been a, a great tool for us because this is something that, like, me and Sergio and Austin Jones, the athletic trainer, will all get together and talk about, and we'll look at the data, and we can tell the coaching staff, like, you know, hey, we need to back off a little bit. Hey, we need you have a little more room to give here, you know what I mean, just by monitoring the uh, the athlete's stress levels with the ultimate goal of getting them as fresh as possible by Friday morning for games in the weekend. Right, and you have obviously the turnaround for Saturday as well, and that ability to recovery is so big in hockey. Um, I know we could talk for a long time on just on that topic, but uh, I'll let you, I guess, just finish up with with that point and, and on working on that uh, on hockey. Sure. Um, moving on here, uh, you guys, you do have Trevor and Kevin. I mentioned. Um, I know in any, in any situation, the more people you add, you know, it, it can actually add a challenge of how are you staying you know, consistent throughout your sports, whether you know whoever teams you particularly work with or your secondary, you're helping out these guys who are obviously learning the ropes as well to a certain extent. But uh, uh, how are you helping these the younger guys, and how are you, how are you staying consistent throughout the department? Yeah, so I think with that, um, obviously with, you know, kind of adding people that was, you know, ends up moving teams around. And our biggest thing was we never, you know, I've gone through the experience and Justin's gone through the experience of coming into a program and then, you know, you're inheriting kind of what the previous person did. Um, a lot of times strength coaches will kind of say, all right, well, we need to go back to, you know, uh, to the square one. Uh, and some of our athletes, like especially our, our sophomores, our juniors and seniors who have already started making progress, um, we really try to avoid that. So when, you know, we have these new strength coaches that come in, the biggest thing is making sure that they understand uh, the system that we work within. Now, the beauty of the system that we work within is that ultimately it doesn't say you have to do it this way. You know, basically the system says, all right, you know, here's our goal for a freshman athlete. Here's our goal for a sophomore, junior, senior here's the different levels, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, but when it comes down to, like, the actual, like, X's and O's of, of putting the program on the paper, you know, the coaches have a lot of uh, say in how that gets done. And then our biggest thing is just obviously mentoring them, talking to them about the program, talking to them about, hey, here's where they were, and informing them this is where we were going, and then get their feedback on that. And, you know, in those first few months, uh, it's a real collaborative effort where we're making sure – uh, that we're helping guide them into where we wanted the program to go. Uh, and, like, we're super fortunate that we're all very similar in our thinking. Um, you know, there's very rarely times where we kind of, like, disagree on something. Um, but with that, we're able to say, okay, here's the process, and you do it however you want. Just realize these are the end goals. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, you, it seems from here, from, from far away, from up high, you guys do a really good job with that as well. Um, moving on to, you know, how things have changed. And uh, over the last month, month and a half here with the, the COVID-19 crisis, you guys have been put in a situation that obviously no strength coach has probably ever been put in before. Uh, what are you guys doing? Obviously, I know you're, you're still generating uh, workout plans, but they 
can't be quite as, you know, thorough as you probably want them to be. Uh, just was equipment accessible to a lot of the kids who are at home. Uh, so how have you guys, and I'll let Justin start with this one, uh, going about working through this? Yeah, obviously it was tough. Um, but I think that we had a great response as a department because when we learned that everyone was going home and that all seasons were ending, uh, the first thing we did was on Surge's authority, we got together as a staff and we said, okay, here's our situation. Everybody is starting the off season essentially from square one because all uh, seasons uh, were ended. And they said, uh, we said, what's the best possible version of a program that we can build together to give to our athletes um, that would mimic the same energy system uh, responses that we'd be looking for in the weight room, but at home. So I think what we did that was fantastic was we all got together, the four of us as a staff, and we cleverly designed a plan um, to train the energy systems that we would in the weight room, but at home. And I think I'll stop there and let Serge pick up. Cool. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it was uh... – it was so rapidly developing and changing. Uh, I mean, I remember being in the office and it's like, okay, everybody's going home, uh, but spring sports are going to continue and, and winter sports that are still competing. And then it goes, everybody's going home, seasons are canceled. Uh, so it was definitely like a rapidly evolving situation. But similar to like Justin said, we, we got together and we tried to lay out a plan and accomplish the same goals that we would try to if they were on campus. So with that, we were looking at, okay, you know, squats are squats. Squats are, you know, we can't just program squats for people. I mean, just going up and down. We had to look at what are ways that we can take body weight exercises and uh, and make them challenging and give some variety to, you know, avoid the, like, mundane of repeating the same exercise over and over. So we really looked at different things like how fast an exercise is done, you know, making them control it slowly as they go down and up, you know, making them do it for holds, uh, you know, taking a squat and progressing the squat jumps. So we knew what our underlying goals were for the phases, and then we just basically laid out exercises that we knew everybody would have the ability to do uh, for anything that didn't, um, that we thought they might uh, not be able to recall. We made sure that we hyperlinked videos into all of their programs, uh, and then once we got the programs out, we laid out six weeks uh, just to be conservative. I mean, we're planning to uh, put together an additional six weeks just to be, uh, you know, on the safe side with it. Uh, and then once we got that out, obviously athletes started reaching out to us about having access to equipment. So then we started kind of giving out athletes, um, you know, basically specific ones. So, I, okay, I have dumbbells. All right, well, here's the changes that you can make. Uh, I have a barbell, but I don't have a lot of weight. Okay, here's what you can do with that. And then we have some student athletes who have full setups, and then we were basically just, you know, providing the normal weight training program that we would have had for those student athletes. And I think the biggest thing, too, uh, that we already had experience with that I think is probably a big challenge for Division ones um, was relying on senior or junior leadership in teams. So that was a great aspect that we were able to uh, have those kids reach out to us and maintain communication um, from their end with us. And then we were able to, you know, make sure that they're, they're checking in with the underclassmen, uh, communicating, keeping in contact with each other. Uh, you know, we, we've all done some sort of a call or video conference uh, to discuss the program and doing weekly check-ins because our biggest thing is just making sure that, you know, the, the kids are, are getting their questions answered and, and getting the same level of service. You can't be there with them coaching them 
but we want to just make sure that they understand, uh, you know, what it is that we're trying to accomplish and that they still have the ability to train so that they're ready to go when they come back, um, whenever that is in the fall. All right. No, that sounds like a good plan. Uh, for you guys, uh, this is for you guys specifically, I guess, uh, what do you miss most uh, about ECAV and, you know, the, the daily grind that sometimes maybe you didn't feel like, or at least I didn't feel like I would have missed, but it's been a month now, and there are some certain things that you probably missed about going to work uh, every day. Justin, you want to uh, lead off on this one? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's probably two big things I miss the most is, uh, number one, I just miss my routine overall. You know, I'm a very routine person, and yeah. I rely on that, and I miss my routine of getting into work, you know what I mean, making my coffee, coaching my teams, and getting in, like, my lifts and, and continuing to chase my personal goals, you know, in weightlifting. Um, and then second to that is, for sure, I just miss the camaraderie of being with my teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, uh, I definitely, you know, I, I miss, uh, you know, our, our coffee talks in, in the mornings with the staff. Um, you know, I miss seeing the, you know, midday lift crew come in of assistant coaches and administrative staff. Um, and then obviously, you know, just the, the teams, I mean, you, they really uh, bring a lot of energy to the list. Uh, and, you know, we miss working with them a lot. Um, so, I mean, for me, those are probably the biggest things, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously still keeping in contact with them, but it's just it's different when you're there in person and, and you know, all working towards, like, this one thing and just, you know, having fun with it. So uh, definitely, you know, miss kind of a lot of the aspects of, uh, of the day. Sticking with a couple of personal things, Justin, I know you uh, are competitive in the weightlifting field, and I'm sure all those competitions are postponed or canceled. What's that been like, and how are you staying uh, to where, at least close to where you want to be? Yeah, unfortunately, they, they really have been canceled. Um which is disappointing because uh, I don't even get to watch the pros now. But um, yeah. uh, I'm back to uh, bodybuilding because that's what I can do best here at home with the uh, little setup that I have. So really I'm kind of looking at my like my next major competition or the major competition I do every year is usually in July. So that's what I was working towards. But since that's not going to be doable now, now I'm just kind of resetting for like an off-season plan like I would for an athlete. Like I'm, I'll start back with some bodybuilding now for a couple of months. And then once gyms open up, we can get back in ECAV. You know, I'll start progressing to some uh, power lifting and things like that and kind of get my legs back under me, and then I'll start a long ramp up till uh, summer 2021. And Sergio, how is the biggest celebrity in the weight room, Cal, doing? Uh, Cal is <laughs> doing fantastic. Um, he seems to – I'm really envious of his ob- obliviousness to everything going on. You know, like for him, it's just – I get to hang out with dad, you know, all day, every day. And I'm over here trying to think of how to keep him entertained and, you know, off of the screen for the majority of the day. But luckily, right. I mean, he's a, so he's in a pre-K three over at the Taylor school and they actually adopted, uh, you know, online classes, even for the pre-K class. So they sent Good. us home uh, with these huge bags with activities. So, you know, obviously they're on spring recess now, but we kept a pretty easy routine of similar to what we were doing and, get them ready, uh, you know, we get on the iPad, we sign in, there's specific things he does, tracing his, you know, signing in on his name, different activities, so it's been good to keep him in his, his routine, uh, and he seems to be enjoying it. He's not sick of me yet. Did it, have you had to explain, or does he, would he even understand what, what this 
situation well, is going it, on? It was kind of funny because just today he was uh, he was playing with some uh, kinetic sand that we have, and uh, he had the Hulk say something about coronavirus. And I heard him, and I said, what? And he – and you know, I think he was talking about, he was talking about something else, but so he knows like the word and he knows of it, but he doesn't really know what it is. Unlike, you know, I think in the like last day that they had classes, you know, one of the kids when I went to pick him up was talking to me, you know, because they have a class of three and fours. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And this was a kid who had just turned five. So he was talking to me because he knew, you know, what was going on and he understood like coronavirus, his parents explained it to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he really doesn't know about much. He just knows that uh, we tell him not to put his uh, fingers in his mouth as often. And uh, you know, when we take him outside for for walks and bike rides, we're just uh, you know eyes on him like a hawk even more. Yeah, let him know that we all miss him too. Have him around. Cool, cool. Uh, last couple things for you guys. Uh, just some things about you know being able to share uh, you know workout stuff and you know I think that helps with the student athletes, uh, when they see other people, you know, it's tough to do some of these things, especially by yourself. You don't have your teammates there cheering you on. Uh, what have you seen from, from not only, you know, you know, you've encouraged the sharing of this, of information, but, uh, Instagram or, or, or Twitter or whatever, whatever you guys have seen. Yeah. Justin actually had a, he, he was one of the first to come to me about putting together a social media initiative. If you want to talk about more, uh, on that, Justin. Yeah, we just, uh, in an effort to try to keep people connected, um, we had an idea about, uh, you know, everybody, whenever they do something active, it doesn't have to be a workout, but if they're stretching, doing yoga, going for a run or something, just uh, post a picture or, or a video and just, you know, hashtag RPI athletics, RPI strength conditioning, sports medicine, your team or something like that, just to kind of stay connected with it. Cool. That sounds like a, it sounds like good. I mean, just because seeing other people do stuff, I think helps motivate others. I think is in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think with the uh, you know obviously like our our Instagram handle the uh, at RPI Strength, we've gotten a lot of good interaction, and it's great seeing you know the kids who have been uh, you know have uh, made weights out of cement. You know, we have kids that are building their own racks out of out of uh, wood that they're purchasing. Uh, so we're definitely seeing a lot of creativeness, and, and it's cool for them to, to share that with us. And then we've been doing uh, Instagram Lives, uh, you know, on uh, Friday afternoons at 2 o'clock, uh, and we've been getting good interaction through there and just, you know, an, an additional opportunity uh, for, you know, the student-athletes to, to come together and, uh, you know, basically like hang out, uh, put questions for us, talk about them. Um, and we've really enjoyed doing that, too, uh, in addition to just like, the normal communication that we're having um, through text or team calls. What is that the Instagram uh, handle you guys have? Yep, it's RPI Strength. RPI Strength. So that's tomorrow at 2, folks, if you're listening tomorrow to this on Thursday, two, yep. or if you're listening to this on Friday morning, it's uh, later today. That's, that's, a, that's a cool little tip there. And uh, lastly, uh, just, just a tip from both of you guys, uh, ways to avoid picking up bad habits, whether it be workout-related or, or dietary. I know some people are limited to what they're able to, to find around their house, but uh, what are some things you guys can suggest in that area? Yeah, uh, I definitely think uh, – go ahead, Justin. I'll give you the spot right here. I, th- <laughs> I think we're going to say the same thing. That's okay. My biggest thing is this, is schedule. Create a schedule for yourself. Write down your schedule. You know what I mean? And then so you know at what times of the day you're going to eat, what times of the day you're going to work out, what times of the day you're going to get your work done, what times of the day you're going to have your downtime. It's just for, for me, it's create a schedule. 
Yeah, I piggyback on that. You got to have a routine. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing when you really don't have uh, really any structure to your day. I think that's the times where you find yourself kind of wondering like, okay, I don't really have anything to do. What can I do? Uh, I can't think of anything. Let me go check the fridge. Let me go check the pantry. Uh, you know, so I think it's easy to get into like that, like, uh, you know, that bored eating uh, that people talk about. So I think definitely mm-hmm. setting up some sort of routine and, and having a plan and I think ultimately like reminding themselves of their goals. I think it's easy to do when you're at school on campus uh, to realize I have a season, I have spring practice, um, I have fall ball. You know, you have those things in mind because you're around it. Now everybody's home separate from each other and it's easier to keep those things in mind. So I think, you know, I think it would be great for for student athletes to to write down some goals uh, and put it in a spot where they're going to see it. You know, I think if they if they have that, at the top of their mind every single day, it'll remind them of, of why they're doing, you know, the home workouts, why they're, you know, um, you know, looking and watching their nutrition more so than if they were just kind of like laid back. Uh, and then obviously in addition to the schoolwork. So I think those are probably the two biggest things that people can do to kind of make sure that they're moving towards uh, their goals for next year. All right, guys, that was uh, really insightful. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we'll have that up uh, uh, today. Great. Yeah, thanks for having us, Barry. Awesome. That was Sergio Marino and Justin Markley from the RPI Athletics Strength and Conditioning uh, crew. And we'll uh, talk to you guys soon. For more than 35 years, CDPHP has been keeping you in the game by providing top-notch healthcare coverage, superior customer service, and the tools you need to live your healthiest life. They're also a proud sponsor of your RPI engineers. CDPHP, a plan for life.